Welcome to Vascular Viewpoints on ReachMD, sponsored by Becton Dickinson. Here's your host, Dr. Jennifer Cottle. This is Vascular Viewpoints on ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Cottle, and joining me to discuss how we can bridge vascular access gaps beyond emergency settings is Dr. Fulvio Pinelli, Director of the Vascular Access Center at the Correggi University Hospital in Florence, Italy. Dr. Pinelli, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Pleased to be here. To start us off, Dr. Pinelli, can you tell us what kinds of factors go into choices of infusion devices within emergency care situations? Well, the, the type of vascular access is based on patients' needs. The choice has to take into account several aspects. First of all, the type of infusions, for example, based on drug pH and osmolarity, we define the peripheral route compatible drug or not. Uh, in case of vesicant, for example, or even irritants, or a, a central line is indicated rather than a peripheral one. But also the predicted dwell time, the need for monitoring, hemodynamic monitoring, the need for multiple infusions, uh, frequent sampling, frequency of access to the system, or even if the patient is hospitalized or not, we may choose different vascular access devices in all these uh, cases. And when a patient is ready to be transitioned from emergency care to other providers, what are some challenges that you and your colleagues experience? I think that the main challenge is to change clinicians' mentality. In fact, very few things about patients' vascular access need in a proactive manner. What does it mean? It means that at any time we plan a vascular access, we should have at least a medium-term site taking into account which will be that patient vascular access needs in the future. I think it's a cultural issue and an organizational issue. First, we need to educate clinicians to think about the importance of vascular access and to choose the right vascular access. And second, to provide them with uh, precise hospital policies and decisional algorithms. So let's dive into that idea even further. Can you talk to us briefly about this philosophy of the right device for the right patient at the right time? Okay, let's consider two scenarios. The first one, a patient coming from uh, the A&E into a ward. Those patients very often have a short peripheral cannula inserted somewhere and somehow. This is because the target of uh, clinicians working in the A&E is to guarantee an access for the immediate uh, therapy. But for example, if the patient is a COPD and is diagnosed with pneumonia, uh, he, she probably will stay in hospital at least for 10 days. So a short peripheral cannula, as we know, will be functioning for 24 to 48 hours and then fail. So if the patient needs just peripheral compatible antibiotics and some fluids, why not to choose a long-lasting peripheral device such a mini midline or a midline from the beginning in the A&E? And let's consider another scenario. For example, the patient discharged from an ICU into a lower level of of care environment. ICU patients recovered from an acute phase who need several more days in the ward and in the uh, rehab, still needing fluids, non-peripheral compatible antibiotics, electrolytes, and etc. The patient is carrying a CICC. Is it the correct device? No, actually, it is not. Too high risk of infection and dislodgement. So a peripheral inserted catheter Maybe a double lumen might be more appropriate. So the right device for the right patient at the right time means that uh, we at any time have to have in our mind which are the patient's vascular access needs 
in the present moment and which will be the needs for the future. And therefore, we choose vascular access accordingly. Sometimes it may be challenging, but uh, it's worth to it. This is also what guidelines indicate us, by the way. Hmm. Excellent. And in addition to the right device uh, considerations that you just mentioned to ease this transition out of emergency departments, what kinds of supportive methods or technologies have you also found helpful to the cause? Well, uh, I think that ultrasound uh, have revolutionized the field of vascular access because it's a safe, accurate, and cost-effective technology. We cannot even think to a central vascular access uh, or a midline uh, without the use of the ultrasound. Not only for venipuncture, recently the concept of uh, global use of ultrasound has gained uh, popularity among vascular access specialists. Uh, it, this concept refers to the possibility of using ultrasound for the navigation of the guide wire and for the, the catheter, uh, to check the correct location of the catheter tip, to rule, rule out immediate complications such as malpositioning, pneumothorax or hemothorax, or late complications such as uh, thrombosis or fibroblastic sleeve. And in fact, guidelines strongly recommend ultrasound. Another very, very important point is the closure management and selecting the right closure device. We can uh, resume this concept in two words, which must sound like a mantra to us. And these two words are secure and protect. This is very important. We must abandon stitches. All uh, uh, guidelines all agree on that because they increase the risk of infection. They are inferior to sutureless securement systems in terms of uh, risk of dislodgement. We must, on the contrary, use sutureless devices, the adhesive ones, the subcutaneously anchored devices, the integrated devices, and the chinoacrylate glue. At the end, we must protect our exit site with a transparent semi-permeable dressing. Before we close, Dr. Pinelli, is there anything up and coming in this territory that you think could make this transition of care beyond emergency settings even smoother? Oh, yes. In my opinion, there are four things that are the most relevant technological improvements for now and the future. The first, the wireless technology, the wireless ultrasound probes, and the wireless uh, uh, intracavitary EKG for tip location. Second, the all-in-one ultrasound probes, the possibility of having a linear, convex, and sectorial probes all-in-one. Third, the subcutaneously anchored devices, which are probably the best systems to secure our central vascular access. And fourth, the glue for the exit site and for all the devices because of their stabilization uh, action, hemostatic action, and antibacterial action. Well, with those forward-looking thoughts in mind, I'd like to thank my guest, Dr. Fulvio Pinelli, for joining me to share strategies for addressing gaps in care. Dr. Pinelli, it was great having you on the program. Thank you. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Vascular Viewpoints, sponsored by Becton Dickinson. To revisit any part of this discussion and to access other episodes in this series, visit reachmd.com slash vascular viewpoints, where you can be part of the knowledge. Thanks for listening.